Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. We got a great topic for you tonight. It's your kids. Um, and if you hear banging in the background, uh, that's because I have a guy putting in a door on my basement for my Airbnb. <laughs> so he's working tonight and he's downstairs pounding away. So that's what you might hear. But we're going to talk about your kids. We're talking about education. Uh, we're going to talk about what's being taught in schools. Uh, we're going to be talking about school choice a little bit. We're going to be talking about um, parents getting more involved, which they are. We're going to talk a little bit about how you as parents saw what uh, the schools were teaching when all the computers were open in your home and um, how that was a good thing because the, the blinders are off and now you know that maybe that's not exactly what you want. But we can also talk a little bit about the control that the Oregon Education Association has um, and over the education system because they uh, buy politicians um, and governors and um, legislators and people like that. So they're very powerful. So their interests are probably more important to many of those folks out there than you um, who are legislators and that kind of thing. So anyway, we have a person coming on, Jenny McGuire. She's going to be coming on today. She's with a group, uh, We Stand Together, SK We Stand Together. I'll be giving you a website so you can find out more information about how you can get involved, even if it's just to find more information from them. Our sponsors tonight, Buck Sanitary Service. Um, I realize if you are going to, if you got to go, you're going to go where you got to go. If it's not a Bucks, you're still going to go. I'm not going to hold you to that. Um, but if you are having a party, a wedding, um, they have trailers, they have um, all kinds of fancy outhouses for outside weddings. Um, you, we bless you with content. They help pay for that. So you in return can bless them. Also, Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, where freedom matters, your freedom to have your medical choices taken care of as you choose. Very important to Dr. Ratlin, and he picks up a lot of clients for that because there's a lot of freedom-loving people out there. See, on our show, freedom is not the new F word. It's not a bad word. Freedom is um, a really important word. And sometimes I hear the cultural monitors trying to make freedom into a negative and, and make you into a, just like they've done with Patriot and other kinds of things like that. So, but we're not run by the Patriots or the, or we're not run by the, the left. We're not run by the right. We're just here having a conversation. Other sponsors, uh, Lonnie Woodruff over at uh, Transworld Business Advisors. If you're looking to change your life a little bit, which a lot of us are, he can help you sell your business or he can help you find a business. And don't, if you don't have anything in mind, don't worry about it. He can help you dream and make that dream come true. Also another sponsor tonight, Compton Family Wines. Um, if you have not tried them, they have a special going on. I think I can say it in Facebook won't knock me off. Um, but uh, if you go on their page, and I will get that website. In fact, it's coming up on the commercial. That's coming up in a little bit. If you go on there, you mentioned Rick Dancer. It'll you can save fifteen bucks off of two bottles or more of their wine. They're right out of Philomath. Super nice people, and they believe what we believe. So that's kind of how we're going to go. So let's put the open on, and then I'll bring our guests on, and we're just going to have a conversation about schools, kids, your kids. <music> puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. So, 
So if you're looking for a dentist, give Chris Dental a call. Get in there. I know it's summer and people don't think about going to the dentist in the summer. Well, your teeth are still there. And if, if you want them to be there for the rest of the summer, you need to do something about that. And joining us now, Jenny McGuire. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you. Oh, it's good to have you. And I'm going to put your website up now for people so they'll know. Um, there it is. And boom, right there. Okay. So you're with SK. We stand together. I'm going to ask you to tell people what that's about in just a second. But first, you were a teacher. Kind of give me give, give people a little bit of your history. You've been a teacher. You went to uh, Kaiser Salem School District. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Salem Kaiser Schools. I graduated, came right back to teach um, after getting my master's degree. So I've had 40 some years um, as first a student and then as an educator. I started off as a classroom teacher for four years, but transitioned to a teacher coach. And then the last nine years spent as a behavior specialist. So my focus was on supporting school-wide discipline, truancy, um, positive behavior systems, those kinds of things. So what did you see? Because you quit. You gave it all up. Mm -hmm. You are, I mean, you were making good money, mm -hmm. despite what people we always hear. Right. Um, <laughs> as a teacher, do you, do you find that kind of funny? Yeah, I do. Um, and, you know, in some states it's true, especially in the South. Um, but here, or Oregon's one of the most well-funded states for education, in spite of having the worst outcomes in the country. I think we're 47th in the country um, for our educational outcomes. But we are well-paid. And education is well funded. So, so why are we forty seven? <laughs> um, well, um, probably where they put the money and what they focus on. Uh, right now, one of the things that our group's fighting against is that they just keep lowering standards to get kids over the finish line. So, we've our governor waived uh, state testing. Uh, for graduate for graduation requirements this last year due to COVID. So kids no longer have to pass the 10th grade reading, writing, and math state test in order to have what they need in order to graduate. Um, we also are seeing a dumbing down of the grading system now. So currently, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the high schools did an end of year training with the staff about what grades would be in the fall. And now they're considering a 49% and above a C instead of an F. An A goes down to 80%. Um, so they have reworked the system in order to say, okay, well, we're going to pass along F-level work. We're going to waive state requirements for testing in order to graduate and put kids out there who think, apparently think, that they're equipped to hold down a job and have basic professional skills coming out of our system in Oregon. And they're not so connected with other colleges in other states either. That kind of is that is that embarrassing as a teacher? I mean, yes. Yes. And it's frustrating for teachers because we don't retain kids anymore. We don't fail them. They just get pushed along. So we we see it at elementary that we're just pushing kids along to the next level who don't have the skills and the means for keeping up. And so they just fall farther and farther behind. And we have fifth graders going on to middle school who can't read at a basic level, at a very basic level. Now, what about behavior stuff? Because you were telling me when yeah. we were talking um, earlier before today um, that teachers are there's teachers that are very frightened students behavior talk to me about that yeah behavior has escalated so much um and, and that was something so when i originally was hired as a behavior specialist nine years ago the position was much more of an office-based position where you know kids would get sent to me instead of the principal i'd have the conversation i'd call the parents um have the conversation with the teacher about what's going on and, and there'd be a few high flyers in a building of 700 kids 
that needed some pretty intensive plans. Um, but it was really a professional job. I mean, I wore heels every day. And um, <laughs> over the course of the nine years, I, I had running shoes on because I was running out to the main roads of Salem trying to get kids who had run from the school as they're actively attacking me. Um, we had kids that just trashed classrooms on a regular basis. And, and I always worked in the highest um, poverty schools, kids coming from the most trauma-based backgrounds. And so we had a lot of good training about understanding why these kids were in crisis and why they were behaving the way they were. Um, but what happened was a change of philosophy of, okay, we're still going to hold them accountable and their parents need to be part of this solution and working with us to this. We're going to step back and just kind of be hands off about it and let them work through whatever it is um, and bring them right back into the learning environment as soon as possible, um, which just perpetuated the cycle of basically enabling behavior and allowing the kids to, to rule the roost. So a lot of a lot of violence, a lot of attacks on teachers, a lot of attacks on students, um, a lot of trash classrooms, broken device computers, you name it. Okay, so that brings up another issue. And if there's anything I ever ask you that's uncomfortable, just say you don't want to talk about it, but I don't think it's uncomfortable. I just give people that out. But you know what? You're talking, I'm thinking, so we got all these school shootings going on, mm -hmm. and these are troubled kids in these schools. And so our if our system is now throw up your hands, so now we're going after guns. Yeah. Because guns kill people when we're not going after the real purpose, which is these kids that are obviously crying out for help, but are so the school system screaming, you know, with the rest of culture. And when we don't go and take care of the basic mental health needs of these kids, instead, we're washing our hands of it and then trying to point the finger at gun owners. And, and uh, yeah, and that's a big source of contention right now. In fact, our school district canceled the SRO contract back in 2020. Um, it She didn't re-up it, her superintendent did it. And she gave into the pressures of a different uh, community groups that got on the George Floyd bandwagon and, you know, cops are bad. They can't be in school. It's school to prison pipeline, that whole thing. So she led the charge in our state um, in her active anti-racism policies, which meant <laughs> no cops, no accountability. We'll do restorative justice in school instead of having discipline, all those things. Um, and so it's really hard. Like right now, we we do have a school board member who has said, let's get SROs back on the agenda because as parents have been clamoring for it, they won't even put it on the agenda. It's not even up for debate. And now the only thing that's on the agenda is taking away the right to conceal carry on campus as a parent. So now that's getting nixed and we will have no protection on campus, no first responders, nobody who is on the right side of things, on the right side of the law there to defend in the event that something happens. And we have kids that are packing weapons to school. We have a lot of weapons referrals in our district. So it's not just outsiders coming in, it's kids that are in the building who have things that are unknown. Um, often the case that, I mean, we, we know what's reported, but there's more than that. Okay, well, we, I'm going to take a break here, and we come back. I want to talk about two things, if I remember. One, Anna just put something on here. Restorative, restorative justice is a major problem. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Second thing I want to talk about is the reaction to COVID and how that impacted, in a good way and a bad way, our kids and the parents. So hold that thought.
for Trans World Business Advisors, and that's I buy and sell businesses. And uh, some people confuse that with like uh, commercial real estate and other things, but uh, yeah, uh, businesses are what I buy and sell. So it's uh, it could be clothing stores, plumbing companies, uh, excavation companies, all industries, all sizes, and that's that's what I do. I help dreams come true, help people transition into becoming their own boss by buying a business or help them retire. If they build a business over 30, 40 years and want an exit plan, I help them with that as well. Yeah, so Rick, I, uh, you know, Lonnie uh, introduced introduced me to a, a business opportunity, but I started out in my uh, oh, working wow. career working for uh, Nabisco. Everybody loves Oreos, it's a great product, and and uh, did that for 23 years. Um, but as you stated, we we you know we have one uh, trip on this on this rock, and and I want to mix it up. And Lonnie, you know, has plenty of opportunities out there, um, and he presented me with one, and and I uh, I liked it, and I. Did my research and looked into it and we're super excited to that we made the change and and uh it's just it's been fun you know mixing it up and, and kind of having a rebirth in life um as i as i travel through my own so it's uh it's a lot of fun i love that um people changing their journeys i mean you changed yours and it was probably pretty gutsy on your part because you lost you know your husband's working obviously but you lost the whole salary and you were making good money and that's do you see people more willing to risk now because of the last two years of what we've seen can happen if you don't. It's funny when you you identify people's like their breaking point, you know, what the issue is. So for some people, it was the mass. Some people, it was the vaccinations that were required to be employed or the discrimination where unvaxxed teachers had to wear the KN95s and eat in isolation and have all these different rules from the vaccinated teachers. Um, you know, for some people it is, it's the, the school violence. I mean, that is a big one for teachers right now. That's a, a very difficult thing because so many teachers aren't able to get to their content. It's just reactionary all day long, being hijacked by behaviors that, and the defiance and disrespect this year has been noted by so many educators that it's just unlike they've ever seen. So there are different breaking points um, that, you know, certainly the CRT and then the transgender policies are other ones that um, a lot of believers have a hard time with. Um, because we just know, we know we're, we're selling these kids a lie. We're focusing on things that aren't academics. We're focusing on things that teachers or sorry, the parents, families should be discussing with their kids, not schools. Well, is it, is it any wonder that our graduation rates and our suck and that we're 47th <laughs> in this, in the nation, because we're focused on, and I'm not saying that, that transgender issues and sexuality issues and, and mm -hmm. all those kind of things aren't important things, but a school, in my book is there to teach reading writing arithmetic things that work that you know critical thinking skills i love hold on i'm going to read this to people because i'm going to pull up this thing in your website on your thing i love what this says um we want public education is teaching so there's they're starting this group okay the goal the goal is to replace identity politics and social activism with critical thinking personal determination and objective truth and then you say it's an uphill climb. Talk to me about that. Well, we're getting they're getting to the kids young. I mean, these preschool programs even now have these standards and these initiatives coming down from the federal government that are tied to funding that are introducing concepts like critical race theory um, and transgenderism, um, gender identity um, down at three, four years old of age. These are kids that don't know any different. And then they're coming into elementary where we now have tampons and the boys restrooms in the state what of Oregon. I, I guess I'm uninformed. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I knew. No, I knew that was oh. happening. <laughs> I don't understand. 
oh, it's the transgender. So if somebody is. It's oh. the Menstrual Dignity Act um, that is making them available to everyone because what is a woman? So we are going to have tampons in the K-12 bathrooms and all of the schools in the state as funded through. Um, so the that if women use a tampon? <laughs> I, yeah, for clogging the toilet and throwing I on the ceiling. and <laughs> understand. Yeah. I, my mom and dad never talked to me about that. I'm, I'm sorry you're left out. <laughs> so, so it's kind of no wonder. Have our schools become social education slash indoctrination facilities rather than educational institutions where I always thought my parents were both teachers. My dad worked for the Oregon Education Association. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I always thought that we'd send our kids to school to learn how to be human beings and how to how to get along with each other and how to read and how to understand. And we got kids graduating that can't even read or critically think their way out of a wet paper sack. Right. And and we're focusing on all these other things, which I'm not saying culture shouldn't and parents shouldn't. But as a teacher, that's a, that's a hell of a workload. Yeah. And there's really not time in the day. I mean, we also have one of the shortest school calendars in the nation. So, you know, and we lost all this time due to COVID of being virtual and so much learning not taking place online. So we are in catch up mode. Um, our scores weren't good before COVID. Now they're worse. Kids are farther behind and we're taking more and more time out of the day. In fact, we have 45 minutes factored in every day in elementary school now for social emotional learning, which is where they're pushing a lot of the anti-racism, racism, gender identity conversations. Um, and we've also empowered teachers who are coming out themselves to make this about them. So there's a lot of educators, which you've probably seen on Libs of TikTok, that are really having a heyday with this because, hey, now we can talk about our private lives with our kids and we can connect over our lived experiences and things. And that's taking the place of content of we don't teach American history in elementary anymore. It doesn't exist. I mean, there's so many content areas, even science is not taught in, in elementary. So our kids are missing very basic foundational things for conversations that are inappropriate developmentally and conversations that have traditionally been a home conversation and not a school conversation. This is your expertise. You're not just speaking as a, a, a regular teacher. You work in behavioral issues. What did you see from the reaction to COVID? How are our kids now suffering from what was done for two years? Because we never, we, I never hear people talking about that. And it's, it was so difficult for me because my part has all, my passion has always been for serving students who come from poverty backgrounds and helping give them that, uh, that hope and that, that step up um, to break the, the cycle of poverty, to step out, um, find their purpose and their passion, apply themselves. And that was my heart. And it, that generational poverty in Salem Kaiser has grown, grown from 30% when I was a student in the 80s and 90s to now 60%. So our district, I mean, that's a huge growth of generational poverty um, and limitations um, socioeconomically. So when COVID happened, I knew that this was going to have huge detrimental effects for our kids that were stuck at home because the population at my school comes from a lot of trailer parks, comes from a lot of apartments, shelters, homeless shelters, even in homeless and um, where they're just they're moving between even, you know, not having housing to relative housing and bouncing around on a regular basis. So a lot of my time and my job was spent going out to homes and meeting families where they were at because they wouldn't answer the phone for the school. Like they want nothing to do with education. They were not, they didn't have a good educational experience themselves. And so they did not want to be bothered with a call from the school about their child's behavior, about any kind of a need 
you know, a meeting for like special ed or something where we need them to come and be a participant, they didn't want to be reached. So I learned quickly that I need to go to them and find them um, and not be able to be ignored in order to advocate for their child. So when I went out to these homes over all, all these years in the four different schools I worked in and I saw the conditions that kids are living in and the lack of structure, the lack of, I mean, just homes that just weren't um, set up to have a, an quiet environment for learning or an undistracted environment, or where there's just no personal space when you have seven people living in an RV. Um, I saw that and very quickly realized this isn't going to work for virtual learning. These kids are not going to keep up. They're not going to be able to succeed in this environment. And so that broke my heart. And yet nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted, they're like, we'll give them, you know, Wi-Fi. We'll give them a Chromebook that will fix everything. And I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't fix home environment. It doesn't fix parents who are using drugs in front of them in the living room or parents. So with mental health. Kate Brown and her and her folks were just blowing smoke up our butt. Yeah. And we weren't, we were not encouraged. I mean, as, as I spoke to my administrator about it because I mean, I saw very clearly what was happening and what would happen to our kids and the kids we wouldn't recover that would never come back on campus after this. And there's a lot of kids that have gone off the radar. They just stopped attending. We passed them along. They didn't have to show up on their screen even once and never came back and never got picked up by another school either. So they're just out there somewhere. So is, the, is one of the dangers in that, that those poor kids who have just as much value as anyone else are now even lower on the scale. Absolutely. They don't have an education and getting a good job at that point. And that, so now we create more people that want to work at McDonald's and have that be a career job, which it was never intended to really be. And I don't know that they are even aspiring for that. I think we've really um, increased the number of kids struggling with depression, social anxieties, substance abuse, um, fear, legitimate fear, anger. I mean, we have a lot of kids who school was their safe place because they had abusive situations at home. And we said, you don't have a safe place now. Stay there 24-7, locked inside, stuck, not being able to escape during COVID from their family situation. So these are not kids that are coming out feeling empowered to go seek anything for themselves. Do you think, do you think in, in 10 years or 15 years, um, we're going to be paying the piper for for mm -hmm. this, for the reaction. It's not COVID. It's the mm -hmm. reaction to COVID and what what our mm -hmm. leaders did and what the unions did. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's gonna and unfortunately it will be the same kids that fall through the cracks anyway. And and I I I can say this is my show. I don't think people really care. I mean, you do and I do and a lot of teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that in the political puppet master that this is that they're disposable, I guess they shouldn't be. Right. And, and I think it's actually even creating a intentionally creating more of a government dependency in this next generation where it's they're not meant to be self-supporting. They are going to be Democrat voters because they're going to vote for who gives them the handouts because they have no skills and no ability to provide for themselves. So I, I think saw, that's really part of the bigger thing. I saw uh, somebody sent me today. Tacoma, I think it's the Tacoma City Council is looking at a proposal that would give you give everyone a guaranteed salary base that you would get for doing absolutely nothing. And it's passing. So <laughs> you're gonna have people who are doing absolutely nothing and getting a base pay. And and, and how how do you expect them to aspire to something better than that mm -hmm. if you're paying them to stay where they're at? I mean, I, I went to Romania. 
it after mm -hmm. and it was two years, three years after the revolution. And one of the old men said what destroyed our country was communism because they took away the will of the people to work. They gave everybody was equal. Everybody got the same. And it was never enough, but you couldn't make anything better with your life. And they destroyed the country. And when the communism was thrown out, he said, that's what brought people back and made them go back to work and feel mm -hmm. good about who they are. Right. So and, and generational poverty. So there's, you know, three kinds. There's situational poverty. So like a divorce and a mom's now single providing for the family or immigrant poverty where people are moving here for better opportunity and then generational poverty and generational poverty. The most challenging part of working with that group of the other two poverty groups is that generational or that, that mindset of apathy. It's that generation after generation of learned helplessness, government dependence. Why try for more? So I'd go out to trailers that, you know, <laughs> they were just, they were very sad living conditions with very few resources, but they would have their big flash screen, right? Like they would have the, the, the immediate need that for entertainment or, or for distraction from life. So they would have those. And because I had that, there was this like sense of, well, we've got what we need. There isn't something I need to work for. Why do I care if my kid goes to school? Like right. there was just this, like, you know, we're immigrant poverty and a lot of our Hispanic families, um, who do have a mom and dad at home who are very supportive of their kids in school, who their kids come very well cared for to school, the braids in the hair, they're clean, they respect their teachers. And even though the parents may not speak English or, or be able to support literacy for their own child, even in Spanish, they instill in their children, you respect la maestra, that teacher, you respect her, you're going to do your best at school, you're going to show up every day, you're going to try your best. And so that was a, an, a value that was we want them to do better than us. We want them to have more opportunities than us. And that is not the mindset of generational poverty. So with the apathy that comes with it. So um, Matt Kendall wrote on here, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Tacoma's program is funded by a mix of grants and private donors, including 500,000 from Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey. Mm -hmm. It'll be studied by independent research at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it'll be, but Matt and I agree, it'll be interesting, maybe it works. But you know what? There's this thing that we all have in our soul. It's called common sense. <laughs> And you've seen this happen before in cultures where people, I mean, I just told you, Romania, there's others. You can go on and on and on. It doesn't work. So why destroy a generation of kids and people um, by getting, you know, we, we I don't know. I, that makes absolutely no sense to me. And, and someone would have to explain. Okay, hold on. Let's, when we come back, um, I want to talk about hope. Um, some of the things your group's doing, some of the things, let's, let, let's say the nasty word, shall we? School choice. <laughs> Let's do that one. Okay, here we go. Like a lot of businesses and a lot of individuals feel like they, they want to support them, but they feel like they can't because they feel like they'll be retaliated against. And I don't care. Like, I, I, I don't. I, I think we should support our police. They're wonderful people. They're not racist. They're not, they, they support, it's who we call when we have an emergency. I, I do a lot of sponsorship with the police departments locally. Uh, I feel like they don't have enough support and I wanted to show my support by putting the billboard up and I got Rick, you know, I got you on the billboard, I got uh, uh, Kilcullen on the uh, uh, billboard uh, uh, and I just want to show that our support. I think more businesses need to show their, their back, their back the blue. Making styles more fruit forward lines, we're doing minimal, minimal handling in the vineyard all the way through the winemaking. So what we're striving for is wines that are bright, crisp, we're big foodies. So we like wines that go well with our food and have some nice acid and balance to it. 
This is one of our most popular wines. This is our 2000 and actually this is our Alpine Pinot Noir. So we have an Alpine Pinot Noir in our old vine series and then a Llewellyn. So this is our kind of old vine collector's series. And it's 18 months on French oak. This wine has gotten a 93 rating from Pinot Files and a 91 in Wine Enthusiasts. So I've met some of those guys who've done those ratings and it's super sweet that they are huge supporters of us too. And love the wine, so it's awesome. And they do everything regenerative, regenerative farming, I can't say it. Um, so they, they care about the soil, they use their animals, they help fertilize the field, the grapes aren't on there. Uh, it's really cool. I, I have some great sponsors, just people doing things out of the box, but they all support uh, free speech, people conversing, uh, you know, stuff like that. So um, tell me, uh, anyway, you guys, this is Jenny McGuire, and she's with We Stand Together, SK, We Stand Together at Salem Kaiser. We stand together as a KS. Did I do it wrong? SK. SK. Okay, Salem mm -hmm. Kaiser. We stand together. This is parents, teachers, uh, concerned citizens all coming together to look for solutions uh, to the uh, Oregon being number 47 because our government uh, cares more about behavior and social causes than it does about educating our kids. And last time I checked, the teachers put there to educate our kids, not to um, indoctrinate them with their social beliefs or the OEAs. So um, anyway, um, so Jenny McGuire, talk to me about what are some of the things you're seeing change, like that people can do positive, like a parent going, yeah, but I can't afford a private school and I don't know anybody in a charter school. What else can I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, well, we do have, um, we are supporting uh, Donna Kreisberg right now, and she has, um, she's a retired attorney who's written two constitutional amendments to put school choice on the ballot. Um, so there is signature collecting going on right now for the initial phase of that. Um, and the great thing about that is that would benefit public, private, and homeschool families alike. Um, basically with like an educational savings account that money would go to straight from public school, follow the student and the families could access it to use as they so choose. Um, so that's great. And we are in our community um, focused on supporting um, learning hubs, learning pods, uh, private schools. In fact, we have a teacher um, from our school district who quit like I did this fall and she started her own um, private school um, called 100 Acres Academy, which is pretty amazing. Um, and so we're seeing these little pop-up opportunities, um, families, co-ops that are coming together. So we are trying to grow, um, connect teachers who are wanting to leave education with families that have a need uh, so that they can work out something and find options outside of public school. And uh, the, real, the real key is going to be that school choice is because yeah. that scares the unions. It really scares the state of Oregon because it's getting control of the education back to the parents. They already took away control from the school board. That was like, if, you know, several years ago, it used to be the school board ran the school district. Yeah. Um, now you don't have local controls. It all comes out of Salem in Oregon and in Montana. I'm sure it comes out of Helena. Mm -hmm. um, but you, 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 if you could get... Because I, I can't remember, I heard a figure on the, you probably know what it is. What is it? How much per kid? I heard that. I think it's I, 12 or 14 something. Thousand, right? Yes. Yep. Per student. So yeah. imagine if you're a parent and you are and you don't like what's being taught in your school and you can take that $14,000 mm -hmm. and go put your kid in a school that you want them to go in, whether mm -hmm. it's a youth corps or a charter school or a private school, and you can use that money to help you because it's, here's the bottom line. It's your money. Mm -hmm. It's money that you're, it's, it's tax dollars that are owed to your student because they're a student. And, and where's the accountability when we're number 47, 
I would love to sit down with, you know, the, 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 whoever's in charge of teaching in Oregon, the the superintendent of public education and say, how can you justify $14,000? That's the governor in Oregon. Oh, okay, Kate. Kate Brown is the superintendent and Colt Gill is her her lackey. Governor Brown. Yeah. um, why, how do you rationalize $14,000 for every student and you're number 47? What is the excuse that her supporters have for her? What is it like, well, she's been busy, what, masking up the state? I mean, what's mm-hmm. what, your job is to make sure education, and I always hear that, you know, the, uh, 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 the puppet saying how important education is. Put your money where your mouth is. Or uh, wait, 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 put my money where your mouth is. That's really that thing. So, but you know, it's a sacrifice for families. I mean, one thing with, I never thought my kids would be in, in pub, private personally. Um, but when my, my daughter, my oldest, um, showed all the readiness for kindergarten at an early age, um, and she was one of those kids that turned six right away in the fall, public had no options for promoting kids up any more than they had for retaining kids back. It's a one size fit all. And so that was when I realized as a parent, if I was going to challenge her where she was at, I need to look outside of public. And so that, thank God that that happened back then because she's had a solid education that wasn't interrupted by COVID in the meantime. Um, but you know, the, the difference for us too, is that when you come out of those preschool years and you're paying all this money every month for childcare, like $1,200 a month for preschool and childcare, that was money. We didn't have, we didn't think of money. We could spend another way. It was allotted for that purpose only. So for us, it was just, we continue living it without it. Like we do with money that we allot for tithing. It's not money to be spent otherwise. So in our mindset, it was, we just adjust. And I think as families become more um, aware of the issues and the things that are attacking their kids in school, I think they're more than need to come to that realization of what is a priority for our money. Maybe we won't have it for college, but maybe we're given a foundation right now and another alternative education option that will make the difference. Okay. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. We took a little longer, but it was really <laughs> interesting and I'm glad. Um, again, there's the website on there, guys, that you can go together, SK West. Or we stand together, sorry, skwestandtogether.com. And they also have a Facebook page. If you're a parent and you're struggling and you're going, Jenny and her group can at least get you feeling like you're not the only one. And then by meeting people, that's how God connects people. And you start mm-hmm. getting connected with things and you will you will find the answer for you. And in the meantime, mm-hmm. everybody needs to pay attention to how they vote. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jenny, thank you again for taking your time. We do appreciate it. See you later. For having me. Oh, okay. you're welcome. Um, and we will try to get a hold of the person. Jenny's going to get me the name of the person who's putting together that uh, school choice so we can have a nice conversation about that. Kathy, I went to Butte, Montana yesterday to the Folk Festival. I want to leave you with a little bit of this. I was, was lost. Oh, but now, thank God I'm found. I was blind